Okay, today's daf is daf vav, gitin, we're in a new mesechet, and um, we pick up at the bottom of Hamid Bet. We've just gone through the debate of Rab and Rava, whether the reason for Bifani Nechtav of Fani Nechtam is because of the issue of Lishma, to ensure that the halachas and Lishma in particular was done properly, uh, which is Rabba's position, which uh, focuses on the words Bifani Nechtav, the Ksiva, whereas uh, Rava's position is that it has to be, it's a way of... Um, um, validating the signatures so that the husband cannot challenge that it was a forgery. Um, and that's sort of reflected more in the word Bifanei Nechtam. It was signed. Um, and in the end, the Gemara says that Rabbah actually is concerned, also, also holds of Rabbah's position, that it's both about Lishma and about validating, and Rava only is concerned about validating. And the Gemara has worked through both trying to bring proofs from the various parts of the Mishnah, and spell out what the different uh, implications of it are, of it all is, um, and um, uh, and how that might play out in the different circumstances. Whether you give the get before two or before three, um, um, whether if you didn't say you can just do a validation. And in the end, the actually said that Raba um, um, wound up being almost identical to Raba because uh, there was also a period where in Medina Tayam they learned the laws of Lishma. So really, the need of the Lishma element even for Raba is really more of a lichatchila. Okay, so that was a quick summary of everything we've done until now. And um, now we pick up on Hamad Bet with the following. Um, Bar Hadya. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven lines from the bottom, middle of the line. Bar Hadaya Gita. Bar Hadaya wanted to bring a get. Asa um, Rabbi came in front of Rabbi Yachi, um, in the city in which they were seeing it. He was going to be sent to bring the get. And um, he now had to be present while it was being written, so he could say, Bifani nechta v'bifani nechta. David Mumunagita, Rabbi Yachi, was the one appointed overseeing, making sure that the kitim were being done properly. And as Rashi uh, points out, if you look at Rashi here, last Rashi on the page, If you don't know uh, fully, um, you're completely fl- fluent in the laws of Gittin and Kiddushin, you should have no dealings with them. Stay a mile away. This is uh, about personal status, and it's very complicated and a lot of requirements, so you really need somebody who knows what they are doing to be authorized. Um, and therefore, they would, you know, they would always point a, uh, uh, you know, person of real authority in order to uh, supervise. So he came in front of uh, Rabbi Yachi. Um, he said to Rabbi Yachi, excuse me, Rabbi Yachi said to him, You have to be present as every single letter is being written from the beginning of the get till the final signature, because you have to say, it was written, so the question here is, what does it mean in my presence? How present do you have to be when this is being done? Um, he came in front of Rabbi Yami Rabbi Yassi. Um, they said to him, no, that seemed a little excessive to him. So, and they said, no, actually, you don't have to. You know, maybe this happens sometimes when you have supervision, like you have, you know, Kashrus Industries. They create a standard that is actually much higher than is absolutely required. Um, so maybe that was this principle of Rabbi, of Rabbi Yassi, or maybe they actually just debated it. Anyway, they said that was not necessary. But you said, look, you know what? That's the higher standard that Rabbi Yassi said. Maybe I should should do it just to be really, really careful so I could say you know, about every letter. Nope, then you are going to spread ill repute against the early Gittin because people are going to hear that you were mockpid, you know, to make sure that you supervised 
every single letter, and you were present that as every letter was being written, people will then start to question the validity of the earlier Gitin. And this is a very important principle about, you know, the costs that come with being with Chumras and uh, being, you know, stringent more than is necessary. Oh, who does it hurt? I'm just being Machmir. And then what type of, uh, what does it impute about people that practice otherwise or about past practices? Okay. Rabbi Barbarchana, I see Gita and Palga. It, now, we don't know yet exactly, so fine. It doesn't have to be every letter, every word. What is the minimum standard? So now we're going to see. Rabbi Barbarchana, I see Gita, Palga, Ichtif, Kamei, Palga, Lochtif, Kamei. He brought again, half was written in his presence, half not. It doesn't say Even if only one one line was written Lishma, that suffices. Now, why does one line suffice? Also notice the Lishma. This is sort of addressing a Raba point because this is about the Pfani Nechtav. We're not talking about what it means to be signed in front of you, but this is the part to be written in front of you. Um, and um, now you can understand that since, you know, there's an assumption now that basically everybody already knows the Halach, it's only a Lichatchila, even in the time when there was a concern of Lishma, if you heard that the Sofer was being makpid, that one line was being written lishma, right? It says, Yilokas of Elishit Ahas lishma, meaning you heard they said, I'm doing this for the sake of the husband and for the sake of the wife, you know, and so if you heard that at one line, you could assume that they obviously know the halacha and they're doing it about everything. I would think that that's shot. Tosos, if you look, says the following, Afilokas of Elishit Ahas, Pirishalura Elishit Rishona, Dimistama Simu Lishma. You saw the beginning, you can assume the end. That to me seems a little bit not shot of the Gemara. It says half, doesn't say which half, it says any one line, and it seems that that should be sufficient given what the level of concern of Lishma is. Anyway, that is the halacha about the ksiva. We're not yet addressing the chasima. If the chasima has to stand in for, you know, being able to, for, for a type of a kim staros, a validation of signatures, you would think you actually have to see the people sign it themselves. Okay, Ravashi, Yama, Ravashi says, not, you don't, it's even less than one line. Even if you just hear the fixing of the, of the, of the quill and the fixing of the cloth, you know, that is sufficient. Rashi has a different girsa of kal kumasa, the coal. Um, look at Rashi. The fixing of it, like when they're, you know, uh, scraping it. Um, that you're doing it lishma, so they're even sort of you know cut. Now, obviously, you don't have to make a quill lishma, but if you're you're hearing them as they're doing that and saying like we're going to be doing this for the sake of the woman and so on, and you hear some context where they're clearly concerned about the lishma, that's enough to say it was written in front of me. Very loose view of the word written. Now, and in, I mean you know and in front, <laughs> you only heard it, you didn't see it, and you didn't even actually see it. It wasn't even during the time of the writing. Tidy um, Ravashi, we taught similar to Ravashi. Um, if you're bringing a get from Dina Siyam, even if you're in the house and the sofa, you know, when it was being written and the sofa was up on the second story, even if you're going in and out the whole day as the sofa is writing it, kosher. Okay, it's kosher. Now, who bevised the sofa of Aliyah? Hello, Kachazile. Now, the Gemara says, one minute. Let's understand how, you know, what does that mean if you're downstairs and he's upstairs? You have no, you're not seeing it and you're not even sort of like aware that it's being written. So the Gemara says, It must mean some sense and you are aware and you're, in, you're sort of in the presence without seeing it. The fanai in my presence in the sense that, you know, I could hear him doing it upstairs. Now, I will also point out, by the way, that this Gemara does not say lishma, before it said lishma. And if you remember, according to Rava, the only need to say Bifani Nechtav 
was to make it sort of not as, you know, to make it clear that it was something different from normal Kiyom Shtaros. So maybe for Rava, you don't even have to be hearing them doing it Lishma, right? That's a, why should you have to? I mean, you know, if you, you know, if you, so it's just about the funny Nechtav to set this aside as something different from classic Kiyom Shtaros. Anyway, so now the Gemara says like this, Amemar. Let's take a look at what was just said. Um, Even if you're going in and out the whole day, it's kosher. Man, now who's going in and out? Elay Mashaliach, the guy who's going to bring the get, who has to testify. Hashi, who provides the sofa in Baliyah. If, if the sofa's upstairs and you're downstairs, uh, the little chazile, and you're not seeing it at all, you're just hearing some voices and sharpening of the quills or whatever, but you're not even physically present. Amarta Kasher, it's kosher. Nichnas Viyote Nifsali. So how could you think that it would be any worse, it should be puzzle, if you're actually going in and out from where the sofa is physically present? Because in and out suggests that it's from where the person is actually physically present. Okay? So obviously that's, that's okay. Why? Why would you have to tell me that case? Ella Sofer. So it means that the Sofer, you're, in the, you're both in the same room and the Sofer's running out to go and, uh, you know, to go, to go do an errand and then he comes back. And even so, you can say, B'fanei Nechtov. So the Gemara says, Pshita, that's obvious. Mishum, the Nechtas Vyotzei Nifsalinei. I'm sorry, I skipped, the, I, I skipped the line before. The Gemara says, Hashto, who provides the Sofer, if when, you know, he's upstairs, one is upstairs, one's downstairs, it's kosher, going in and out is, you know, do, would you have to tell me that that's kosher? Of course that's kosher. Ella Sofer, that's what's the Sofer going in now. Pshita, obviously. Do I think, would I have a reason to think that just because the Sofer went in and out, it should be possible? Why is that? Why, what's the point of telling me that? Look, you need it for the following case. He didn't just go in and out, you know, to get a breath of air. He went actually out to, to the store. Um, and I might have thought, maybe when he was out of the store, somebody else said to me, you know, I have a more urgent get, you know, and I need you to write it for my wife. And then when the sofa was coming back, he was writing with this other guy in mind. You know, there's whole questions about if they all have the same name, how would the get be kosher and so on. But anyway, but maybe that led to him to distract him and he was no longer had the rightly shma intent. Kamash that we're not concerned about that. Okay, so here we are back to, though, an issue about the lishma. But again, that doesn't really say whether you have to have evidence and that it's being done lishma. That would more be for Rabbah. For Rava, you know, we have a very low standard about what's needed to be, you know, presumably the standard could be much lower what's needed to be able to say if we're not, if there's no real need to testify about the lishma. Okay. So that is um, a practical question about what the sofer needs. So now we're moving on. From, I mean, Rabba and Rubble always remains in the background, but we're moving on from trying to prove or disprove and point out the implications to now talk about the different um, sort of uh, 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 criteria or the different circumstances about how this Bafani Nechtov plays out. So one is what constitutes Bafani Nechtov? You know, in terms of, we already said, what is the, you know, you know, you know um, what happens if the Shaliach gives it without having said it? How can it be fixed? Does he have to take it back? Does he have to give it before two or before three? You know who can give it. We've referenced discussions later on about the, a woman or the or, you know or, or the wife herself. Okay, and now we are talking about the next thing is um, the places. The mission discussed Eretz Israel and Medina Tayam, and had a whole question about border cities. Um, and now we're going to discuss Bavel, which was the main place in the time of the Bavli, and even a major place in the time of you know when when the mission was being written. But certainly when the Bavli and Yushami, when the, the Gemaras were being written, the mainstay of the uh, of uh, you know the Jewish community, the majority. Of the Jewish population lived in Bavel. So, what is that status? So, let's take a look. Itmar was taught. Bavel. What's the status of Bavel? Rav Amar Kerat Yisrael Legitim. It's like Eretz Yisrael when it comes to a get. Now we're not talking about going from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, right? If there's a concern about uh, about uh, you know being having witnesses able to confirm the signatures, that 
we have to ask what the degree of travel is. We're talking about within Bavel, right? Within Bavel, and presumably, let's say, for, within the question of Lishma, right? So within Eretz Yisrael, at least through the Lishma lens, we know that's not a problem, you know, from, you know, from one place to another in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and how about in Bavel, one place to another, but what's the Lishma issue there? The other, through the lens of Edim Tzuyim Lakaimo, through the Rava lens, um, in Bavel, um, um, in Eretz Yisrael, right? We, according to the way the Gemara explained it before, because there's a lot of travel because of the Bate Dinim, even from one country to another in Eretz Yisrael, like Yehuda to Galil and so on, there's not a, we're not concerned for need of establishing the, 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 the signatures. So is there a similar type of a consideration in Bavel? So with either lens, does, will Bavel be similar to Eretz Yisrael? Okay, Rav Amar No, it's just like Chutzars. Maybe this is the debate. One would say that it's a Lishma problem, and there's no question that in Bavel the knowledge of Torah and Halacha was very, very, you know, high. Umar Savar and the other one holds that the issue is about being able to have witnesses available to validate the signatures. So from one Medina to another Medina in Bavel, that also would not be, you know, um, um, there's not a lot of travel, presumably, and that would be like any two Medinot, and therefore you would need to say Bifani Nechtav. So Rav is taking the says it's like Eretz focuses on Lishma, and Shmuel says it's like Chutzar, focuses on the need to validate the signatures. So that's reasonable, except the Gemara says, as it's been saying, the Tisbara, does that make sense as a way of explaining the debate? Harabi Isay de Rava. <laughs> We've established that Rabbah is also concerned with Rava, is also concerned with Eidim Tzuyim Lakaimo. So everybody needs to address the issue and um, about, you know, uh, is there going to be witnesses? So if there's a debate about whether you need to say or not from one country to another within Bavel, there must be a debate about how prevalent the travel is and that how deg- great a degree there would be to need to validate the witnesses now, or could we assume that we'd be able to do it when, when, if and when needed? Okay, so the Moses says like this, um... Okay, fine, you're right. Everybody is focused on the Lukaimo, and to the degree that there was a Lishma issue, it certainly is not a problem in Bavel. Um, um, Since there are Yeshivot, therefore, uh, there's always a lot of travel from one Yeshiva to the next. And, uh, and, you know, now, how do you know people are always traveling to and from a yeshiva town? Um, but whatever, you know, presumably an industry builds up around all of the travel and the visiting and the moving, and maybe they meant specifically within the major, you know, within, you know, that the basic different midinot, you know, are the places in each one of them where there's a major yeshiva, okay? And if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi points out that Rav and Shmuel each have their own yeshiva. Um, uh, well, actually, I'll hold off that Rashi a second. Um, uh, okay, so Vishmol Tzavar Misifta your side treaty. No, the yeshiva, the, you know, the yeshiva bachrim are too busy learning. They're not like going into business and, they're, they're, and they're, they're, they're spending a lot of time in the shops and they're watching people sign their signatures. So there might be a lot of travel, but that does not mean that you can assume that people will always be available who can testify to signatures. Okay, so that's the issue. So now the Gemara says like this. Um, the, wait, wait, wait. 
Itmar. Nabi was also taught Amar be Ava Amarav Amarav. Who not seen what's made of Gitin. So it said we started treating ourselves in Bavel like Eretz Yisrael for the matters of get. From the time that Rav Rav arrived in Bavel. So the same Rav and Shmuel that we were discussing who had this debate, and Rav said we all like Eretz Yisrael. Now we find out that that new status, uh, you know, was uh, sort of recognized um, um, when Rav arrived. Why is it significant when Rav arrived? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, um, Rashi says. Um, uh, first, but by Mesifta, Rashi says, Yeshivot Kfuot, Achat Pesurev, Achat Benarda. So when there are Yeshivot, there's one in Sur, one in Arda, the two major you know, population centers. There's a lot of you know, movement from all the little villages, they come to these centers, and from these centers, they come from one center to the next. So presumably, there's just a lot of travel all over the place. All right, and then Mikias Rav Lubavel says, Rashi, Have Benarda. Okay, I'm sorry. The Kavi Yeshiva Besurah, but the Shmuel Havi Benarda. So the Rav and Shmuel, the two major Yeshivot, were the cause of all this travel. That was Rav and Shmuel. Okay, Rav was in Surah and Shmuel was in Narda. Now, Rashi makes an important statement which Tosos sort of uh, disagrees about. Remember now, the emphasis is about. Um, um, is about the travel issue, not the lishma issue. That's our focus now. Um, so Rashi says, why was Rav central to uh, you know coming to Bavel? Why was that central to the whole degree of like an enormous amount of travel that took on, on place? So Rashi says the following. He says, originally there was not these yeshivot with all this travel. It's true that from the very beginning of the settlement in Bavel, after the first destruction of the base of Niktaj, the Tamir Chachamim came to Bavel. There was always a lot of Torah in Bavel. You know, Hillel came from, who, who was, you know, the major, whatever, you know, started of the whole Rebbe Yudha Nasi, the whole, the whole, that whole leadership, right, went all the way back to Hillel. That was Hillel came from Bavel. Uh, but nevertheless, that, although there was always Torah, we're not here focusing on the Torah. We're focusing here on the travel. And the whole institution of major yeshiva, yeshiva centers and Surah Naharda, you know, that came with Rav and then with Shmuel, and therefore that's why we now treat ourselves like Eretz Yisrael. Okay, so that, that, according to that, this, now we, it seems like the status changed, and that's understandable. You know, it used to be that there, were play, there wasn't a lot of travel, now there is a lot of travel within this region, so you no longer have to say it. Let's take a look at where the Gemara goes with this. Um, um, da, 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 da. He says like this. Im, uh, we just, uh, okay. Masi Rabbi Yemir. Rabbi Yemir challenges us from our Mishnah. 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 These are the outer edges of Eretz Yisrael, according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rechem is on the east, and Rechem itself is outside of Israel. You know, Ashkel is south. Ashkel itself is considered outside for the laws of Gitin. And Akko is the north, and Akko is considered the north itself, outside. The Habavel, it's one of Eretz Yisrael, Kaima, and we know Babel is to the north of Israel. Tehsiv, as it says, Vayom Hashem Alayim, it's a fonti Evil will come from from the north, and that was the prophecy of Bavel coming to destroy the Beit Hamikdash. Of course, how that exactly, you know, what, where it exactly is on the map is sort of being bracketed, but that's how we know through through the Pesukim. Anyway, it doesn't matter if the point is that every place outside of Israel to the north and east and south are considered Chutzlaretz. That includes Bavel. So you see that Bavel has the same status as Chutzlaretz. Vatanan, um, uh, we taught Rabbi Meir, Omer Akko Kerit Yisrael Gitin. Rabbi Meir went and said, "Oh, no, Akko, that's going to be like Kerit Yisrael." Vafila Rabbi Meir lo kamel Akko. Even Rabbi Meir only said it by Akko. The Mikarva, that's like right there on the border. It's close. Of a Bavel to Mirchikalo, but by Bavel he. Would not have said that. So clearly, you know, everything outside of the borders of Israel, there might be a debate exactly where to draw the line, but everything outside is is Chutzlaretz. How could you say Bavel has the status of Eretz Israel? Uh, he asked it and he answered it. Lebar mi Bavel. 
No, it means uh, other than Bavel. Like, you know, it's like everything out there is Chutzlaretz, except, of course, the major center of Bavel. That's its whole separate entity. We're not talking about that. Okay, that was clearly understood that you would not label Bavel, and it's true. You know, Medina Tayyam, Tosu says at the very beginning, why not say Chutzlaretz? You know, Medina Tayyam has a specific type of an identity, and Bavel is clearly a different identity. Now, the issue with this, of course, is that since the Gemara said that the status changed when Rav came to Bavel, why is it that um, why is it that you can ask from the Mishnah? The Mishnah doesn't really prove anything. Um, so, um, so it, there's one or two ways of understanding this. Uh, you could understand because the Mishnah was before Rav came to Bavel, so obviously you, you know it's not in the Mishnah. So it could be. It doesn't seem this way, but it could be that what the Gemara is saying is, is that since the Mishnah is not drawing any distinctions and the Mishnah paints all of Chutzlaretz in one brush, then even when the reality changes, we're not going to change something status of Chutzlaretz. You know, it's sort of like we saw before, Kedesh Elotachlok Mdina Sayyam, Rabbi Eliezer's position. All right, so, and then the Gemara says, no, like, you know, maybe we could exclude a whole area that is, you know, even if we painted all of Chutzlaretz one way, if there's a whole new region that has its whole identity, it's not like a small little situation, right? That would would be stiff. It doesn't sound that way. So because of that, Tosos redefines what the earlier statement mean of when Rav came to Bavel. If you look at Tosos, Mechiasa Rav Bavel, Tosos says, Pirisha Kuntres, the Hirbe Yeshivos. And Rav was the one who instituted many Yeshivos. Because Shadim came my part from Masnisin, the Meakal itself, and Shadishnis called him up Shabbat Rav Bavel. So if that's true, that it was a change of status, why does the Gemara think that there was a change? Why, why does it think it can challenge it from the Mishnah? So when Rav came to Babel, he taught us this halacha. It wasn't the change in society that Rav brought with him. Um, it was, Rav just taught us this halacha. I mean, the Gemara sounds a lot more like Rashi, and we should point out that even according to Tosfos, um, the, the, you know, the point still is that why would, it, why would we have to, I mean, maybe the Gemara just thought it, but like, why would it be important to say that he told us this always was the case? Because to some degree, we want things to fit in with the Mishnah. We don't want to have to assert change of status. So one way or another, whether it actually was a status change or we're saying it always was there, it's not in contradiction to the Mishnah because the Mishnah can allow for this type of an exception. Okay. How far is Bavel? What are the actual parameters of Bavel? Now that it's going to matter, la halacha. Um... There's a debate by Yuchsin and Kiddushin about like when are people can you know you know just whatever how uh, how certain we can be assumed about people's personal status and the best place is Bavel. Bavel's people's personal status like most assured interestingly even more than Eretz Yisrael. And there's a discussion there what are the what are the boundaries of Bavel. So whatever that debate is here it applies here. Okay. Now again this does this reflect because remember the considerations are different right. One place is a question about this is a sort of an ongoing thing about this first parak. One place the question is about um, like um, uh, 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 where do people know their personal status, where have records been kept and so on. And in the other situation by us, it's a question about like where is there a lot of travel from place to place so you don't have to worry about signatures and so on or, you know, about validating now. You won't have to worry about it later. Um, So... um, and so, has it really happened that those two exactly overlap? Whereas the point that, you know what, like we can't have a million different definitions and therefore we're going to adopt, you know, standard definitions and use them even if they don't exactly fit. Um, you know, we've seen that we're going to continue to see those types of things. Okay, anyway, that's what he says. No, no, no. That debate over there by Yuchsin, it's that debate. 
Aval Gitin, when it comes to Gitin, Dibekal, everybody agrees on Arbatinyan of the Gishra until the second arch of the um, you know of the bridge. So there was a, clearly the Gemara knew what that was referring to, um, and um, you know, and like which bridge, which arch, you know, that's only one direction. What about the other directions? But anyway, for that the Gemara understood that was the boundary in terms of these issues. Okay, now we have a case. Um, Chizda required that if somebody is going from Aktisfon to Bay Ardishir, they had to say Bifani Nechtav. And it'd be Ardishir Laktisfon Lomatrich. And from the in the opposite direction, they did not. Okay? So um, not exactly clear, like is one in Bavel and one in Chutzar, so they both in Bavel. Tosa sort of figures it all out. But anyway, we'll, we can get the gist even without sort of completely, you know, getting into all that. Okay, so let's take a look. Um, okay, so the best way to explain why you need it in one direction and not the other is like, it's just, it sort of, you know, it echoes Eretz Yisrael and, and uh, Medina Sayam that in one place they know Lishma and the other place they don't. So presumably, if you have to say it from Aktisvon, when you're going from Aktisvon to Be'ardashir, that's because Aktisvon doesn't know Lishma, so therefore Be'ardashir is going to insist that they hear them say Befani Nechtav, whereas in the Reverse, Be'ardishir knows Lishma, they don't have to say Befani Nechtav. Okay, that would be if your only concern were Lishma and there were no travel concerns. Okay, but as we, okay, so let's take a look. So the Gemara says, um, So the Gemara says, that makes sense. So many times you have a nice way of explaining things that it's about Lishma, but then the Gemara does not, it can't go forward because other sources pushed us to say that Rabba agrees to Rabba, that there's always a question about the travel. Okay, now, uh, you could maybe just say that there's a lot of travel between the two places and there's still Lishma difference, uh, but for some reason the Gemara doesn't go that way, so let's see what the Gemara says. Uh, or the way Rashi says, Rashi says, you know, we have to, since these are clearly two different Medinot, um, therefore you, you should require it in both cases. But again, you could address it by saying there's a lot of travel and still focus on the Lishma difference, but the Gemara doesn't do that. Here's what the Gemara does. Um... You're right. Everybody agrees about the need to do kiyum. So, but these, because they go to the shuk, the marketplace of there, since A goes to marketplace of B, so everybody in B knows the signatures. Why? Because A is the transient population. They come in, they go out and they buy things, they sign IOUs, they sign documents, okay, and then they go home. And then B town is left with all these signed documents. So they have an opportunity to sort of become more familiar with who is signing what documents, you know? It seems like, um, you know, it, it's interesting, right? Because since Town B is selling and Town A is buying, Town A might, you know, um, and you're buying, you know, if you're buying real estate, it might be different. You would have to, the seller would have to sign the document. But if you're buying, you know, movables, um, then the then Town A wants to, like, is going to sign checks, is going to, you know, sign IOUs and so on, okay? So therefore, this Town B knows the signatures of Town A, of, of town A, but the reverse is not true. Town A wouldn't know the signatures of town B. And that's why, my time of Bishukayu Treaty, they're busy with their buying and selling. Now, Town A is also doing the buying and selling, but as you know, Rashi sort of says, that yeah, but town, A then, but town town A, after the buying and selling, goes back home. Town B is left with all the signed documents. Okay. 
Rabbi Bar Avuha, Matzich Mi Arsa La Arsa. Rabbi Bar Avuha required even going from like one um, row of houses, you know, one side of a, uh, on one side of Rishus Rabbim to another row of houses on another side of Rishus Rabbim. Why? Because we'll see in a minute because it was a transient population and therefore um, the, th- th- the feeling, well, this is the way Tosus explains it he, I, very clearly, that Let's say, you know, you have people in this, both sides of the street or whatever, you know, there are people there that know signatures of other people. So this person, this opinion said, if there are people on my side of the street, you know, a, a, a husband is giving a get to his wife and everybody lives on my side of this major thoroughfare, okay? And I know that there are people who know, and the witnesses signed it, and they're all coming from this section, then um, then um, I don't have to do kiyom. I don't have vani nechtev. Why? Because if I, I hear what's going on in this section of, of my town, so therefore, you know, it's like the other side of the tracks, right? So, you know, different sides. So therefore, if the people, the witnesses who know, who, who signed it, or who know these signatures, people, are, you know, are going to move, I, the wife, you know, or the people who care for the wife, are going to find out before it happens and make sure to do kiyum. But if they're going to, from the other side of the track, if the get came from the other side of the tracks, and that's where the witnesses were, the people that know the witnesses' signatures, then I, the wife, won't be like, no, if they're about to, you know, it's a transient population, if they're going to move, and then I'm not going to be able to do kiyum. So in that case, even though we're physically very close because it's a transient population and you're only aware when the people closest to you are moving, you would, if when they come from a little bit like other side of the tracks, that's when you would have to do Bufani Nechtov so you don't get stuck without the ability to do kiyum. Okay? Um, uh, so that's what he says. Uh, where are we? Um, okay. Rav Seishas required, no, even on the same side of the tracks from like one neighborhood to the other, that even on, even if they're all in that same region, if you're in a different neighborhood, and Rav has even three houses, but I assume it means that there's something that distinguishes them. Anyway, if you're in a different neighborhood, that therefore, um, you know, you need to do funny nechtav because you are afraid that you will not be able to get the witnesses when you need them. They'll leave and you won't have, no, they'll have moved and you won't have known that they moved. Um, uh, and Rava required even like somebody like within your neighborhood. You know, there's so much transience and nobody knows who's going and who's coming and therefore you're always at risk and therefore you always have to do Now I already gave it away a little bit but the Gemara says, well, one minute, I don't get it. Rava says that's a problem about Adim. So what, what, what's the issue here about one Shuna? I mean, if it were Lishma, I mean, I wouldn't have explained the differences before between side of the tracks and neighborhood about Lishma. But at least it, 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 we would have understood that if it's like, even if it's next door, if it's a problem about Lishma, that could explain why you would always need it. So at least an extreme position of even somebody next door you have to do it makes sense Lishma. But what sense does it make if it's about being able to do Kiyo? So the Gemara says, no, Shani B'nei M'nei denied. Rava was from Mechuzah. B'nei M'nei was very transient population. It was like a metropolis, um, or certainly cosmopolitan. Anyway, and therefore he required it. And that's why even next door, and that explains certainly the earlier position that make a distinction between this neighborhood and the other neighborhood. If you take a look at Tosos, Tosos says, Even though we have like Rava that ain't and even though somebody might have said, you know, that they know Lishma in the places in where the uh, Balea Tosos lives, you know, a very learned population by and large. Anyway, but we don't have to discuss Lishma, it's about Mitsuyim. Nevertheless, even if you're in the same place, you always have to say, Fani Nechtov, why? 
because we are a very transient population, which we know is true about the you know time of the you know medieval period, you know, and the Rishonim and so on. So um, the interesting thing about all of this, well, first of all, I should say that even if you paskin, you didn't have to. If you said it, it works, and that's important. And that was the earlier Gemara, and that really protects the woman and saying, and, and if the, if it ever does get challenged. Uh, but the interesting thing about this is the way things again. This question about are things static from the time they were in the Mishnah, right? Did the Gemara want to you know tell us you know was was Gemara willing to think that the status of Bavel changed since the time of the Mishnah um, or not? And here you know the status of the of the halacha of the same Medina in in Chutzlaretz requires um, that has been overridden by this idea of transient populations. Now you could say that you know exceptions were already being carved out, Hagmonia, Lagmonia, Makpidenzelza, and so on. Um, but nevertheless, it is interesting how much how this is being uh, changing from the time of the Mishnah. Okay, um, moving on. Rav Chanin Mishtai. Rav Chanin sort of uh, indicated, you know, gestured, whatever, related. Rav Chana, I see Gita. Rav Chana brought a get. So I don't remember if it was from Surah to Nardar, Nardar to Surah. Right, those were the two places of a lot of travel. Also, the coming to Rav came to Rav. I'm late. Do I have to say, or do I not? You don't have to, because like we said before, that father is like Eretz Yisrael, and there's a lot of travel. You don't have to say it. Top of Vav Amad Beth. The Avda Sahanis. And if you did it, it worked. Okay, um, uh, so uh, actually, I think I, I, I just said this a second ago. Um, right, so anyway, okay, uh, I think I said it was before, but here it is now. My um, Yav dishonest, what does it mean that if you did it, it worked? That you will now protect the woman. So even in the case where you don't have to, which is the case of Babel, you know what? If you're able to say it, you might as well say it because it'll protect the woman. And if the Baal comes and complains, we won't pay attention to him. Now, um, going way back, you know, there's a debate of Rashi and Tosos. Rashi said that even if the husband were to say it, um, you know, even like, you know, before the Hobe Farinechtev got established and so on, um, um, that, you know, if the Shliach didn't say Farinechtev, we don't pass him like Rebbe Meir. Anyway, you know, if the Baal doesn't, um, if the Baal says it, it's just a laws. The only thing we were concerned about was a laws. The Baal never really had the power to invalidate it. So saying Farinechtev, though, creates a structure in which nobody will pay attention to the Baal. But even before that, you know, structure, the Baal never would have technically validated it. All right, there's no way to read it. That if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, if you don't say it, and the Baal comes and he says it, he will actually will invalidate it. So there's an important debate of Rashi Tosfos in a case where you don't need to say it if the husband's uh, challenging it um, will actually um, manage to um, invalidate it or not. Um, okay. Um, now the Lord says like this. Um, Okay, so now, so there. So you don't have to say it, but if you do, it'll protect the woman. Um, and Rashi, according to Rashi, from actually invalidating the get, and according to those, at least from, um, from rumors and so on. Okay, we'll put down those rumors. A person brought a get to Rabbi Shmuel. Do I have to say? Do I not have to say? Where are you from? I'm from Kfar Sisai. Okay. You have to say it in order that you should not, you should save her from having to need aid him in the future, which was like weird. Um, and as we'll let's see how the Gemara sort of elaborates this. After he, after he, after this Shaliyah went, Rabbi Lai uh, uh, um, came to him. Amalo, Rabbi, isn't 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 uh, isn't Farsi Sai, uh, you know, uh, 
like uh, uh, swallowed up within the borders of Israel. Technically, it's outside the line, but it's sort of you know within like there's Eretz er- Israel all around it. Um, and it's even closer to Tipuri more than Akko, and Tipuri was like a central location if there was concerns about travel or Lishma. But Tanan Rabbi Meir or Akko Kachishel Gitten, Akko is like Kachishel Gitten, but Philo Abunnel, Aplikale Rabbi Meir or Laba Akko, even the rabbis only just read about Akko because it's so distant. Admirkakavo, Kfarsi Saidim, Makarvalo, but Kfarsi Said, that's close, they would agree. It's funny that they're pointing at that debate since, you know, that would seem to be the issue of Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah about Lotachlok, we mean in Sayyam, you know, and Kfarludim and Lud. But anyway, Whatever it is, he's saying, hey, you know what? This is enough. Uh, how do we draw the parameters of Israel? This is close enough that you should not have to say, Faninech, Faninechdom. So I'm a So he said back to him, Stok, Stok, quiet, my son. Shush, shush, shush. Since it was Paskin that it's Heter, meaning the Heter is that the Faninechdom is effective, you know, it's good. It takes effect. All right? Meaning, yes, you didn't have to say it. But by saying it now, she was protected. Okay? So the Gemara says, I said, Why was Rabbi Lai upset? You know, when, he, when, when the ruling was originally given by Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel said, Say it so she won't need Adim. Not say it because halachically the Chazal have required you to say it in this situation, but say it, you know, even though. Again, this was not so clear. You have to say it so she won't need Aiden. But, you know, it was, a, it was an ambiguous statement. But the Gemara's understanding that the second part is saying, you should say it in order to protect her from the need of Aiden. Technically, you don't have to, but you should. So this is the idea that even when you don't have to, if you say it, it works. So since he said that in order to protect her, why was Rabbi Lai challenging him? So the Gemara says, Lo you know, Rabbi, you know, it was not finished in front of Rabbi Lai. Rabbi Lai did not hear the end of, um, you know, the end of what Rabbi Shmuel had said. He only, you know, he reacted too soon without hearing the end, and therefore he thought that Rabbi Shmuel was saying it was really, it genuinely was required. Okay. Shalach Rabbi Yosef Chizda. Rav Yosef sent the following message to Rav Chizda. Gitin abayim misham lakan. Gitin that come from there, you and Bavel to hear Eretz Yisrael. Ain't zarech lom faninech faninechta. Do not have to say faninech faninechta. Now we're getting to the question about not but within Bavel and within Eretz Yisrael, but between Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. Those are two midi note, right? If there's an issue about, um, you know, the Gemara said, you know, if there's an issue about eighty mitzvim lakaima, we know have no evidence that from outside of Israel to in Israel and vice versa should not be a concern about eighty about faninechta because of Aidim. So let's take a look. Um, so they, he says they have, they don't have to say it. Let's say he's not concerned about Aidim, he's only concerned about Lishma, and both Pavel and Eretz Yisrael know about Lishma. So the Gemara says, does that make sense? For Rabba, Yisrael, Rava, once again, Rabba holds of Rava, we always have to address the Aidim issue. So who cares about Lishma, or Lishma isn't enough? Um, how do you deal with the issue about uh, being able to know what signatures? You're right. You have to address the issue of the ability to be Makayim the signatures. Um, but since there are a lot that salik go up and go down, make aliyah and yirida, since there are a lot of people that go from Pavel to Yisrael and from Eretz Yisrael to Pavel for, you know, mostly around learning, but maybe also in general, okay? So therefore, there are always, you know, people, there's so much travel that it's not a problem, you know, you'll be able to eventually find somebody that can do, you know, that can be Mikhaim the star. You know, one also wonders, like, does it mean by chance or like maybe you could send a message back 
it. We need somebody, you know, or whatever. But if with a lot of travel, we can sort of solve it. And therefore, same way within Eretz Yisrael and within Bavel, also between Eretz Yisrael and between Bavel. Okay. Mishcha um, Shrichi. Um, who said to you that you could rely on Rebbe Biyasar? Now, um, you know, because he's coming with a kula, you don't have to say, who said you can rely on him? Oh, and in addition, um, now we're going to say that he evidence that he did something that was seen as inappropriate. There's an interesting question whether you have this word, right? You just in general say like, ah, who do, who, whoever said you could trust him? Or is there a particular thing? No, no, no. We're not going to stop say whoever said you could trust him. You know. Anyway, let's weigh his statement and see if we if it makes sense. But you know. But we're going to challenge it because we have a reason to challenge it. Who said you could trust Rav of Yasser? The See how the statement reads differently when you take out the ode. Who said you could trust Rav of Yasser? The He sent uh, Rav Yehuda the following statement. Okay. So um, he he sends a lot of missives apparently from Eretz Israel to Bava. Beni. Um, um, the people that are making Aliyah from from Babel to Israel, people that are coming here to learn Torah, they fulfilled on themselves. They gave the child over to prostitution, and the young girl they sold for wine and they drank. Okay, meaning so they basically they are you know like now what does he mean? That's a horrific verse. But what it means is is that there was a lot of you know they left a lot of Torah scholars left. Bavel to go and spend many years in Eretz Yisrael, and they did not really um, do their res- responsibilities, you know, uh, financial responsibilities, providing for, and just being present, and and husbandly and fatherly responsibilities to their families back in Bavel. And therefore, Rev. Yosser here in Eretz Yisrael was actually very uh, condemning of this practice. And he said they have basically, like, you know, um, sold off their kids in order to allow themselves to learn Torah. And, you know, you justify it because it's learning Torah, but he was not uh, prepared to justify. Now, the word zona, by the way, prostitution, um, you know, is very harsh, um, but uh, it can be read here as the word, and we'll see in a minute, similarly, as the word mizonot. Take a look at Tosos. Because they would spend a lot of time in Israel. Okay, they would have to, their kids would have to go out and provide for the family for food. Okay, the ode, and now here's an even harsher read. He sold his daughter to go learn Torah as a, you know, as a slave. Okay, so that's not, again, technically znus, but it's uh, literally sale and, uh, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, uh, and whatever. And, you know, those things can lead to improprieties. Okay. Um, and Rashi, by the way, also important to read. Rashi, Rashi says, their wives agunot, you know, not like they were refusing a divorce, but they were leaving them abandoned and chained to their husbands. And they were not having the children they were supposed to have. They didn't care about having kids. You know, they were more important than them to learn Torah. So actually, Rashi is a little interesting. Not that they had kids and that they weren't providing for them, or maybe both are true, but they weren't even having the kids they were supposed to be having. So he wrote this very highly, criti- you know, critical thing. Um, and um, uh, the cause of Lovelace Sirtut, but we're going to focus on Sirtut. He wrote it without scoring the, the cloth. You know, scoring cloth, like writing a, uh, like doing like a, an indent, um, you know, with a sharp uh, thing. 
in the cloth in order that the that you can write the words uh, in a straight line. Um, you know, normally we imagine lines under, like lined paper, except this was lined, you know, with a groove. Um, uh, but uh, you know, in the Hebrew writings, but the way it read in Sefer Torah, the line is above the letters because there's things that go like above the line. You know, all the tops of the letters have the same top line, you know, but some things go below a bottom and some things go above a top. Anyway, he wrote it without scoring the, the cloth. Um, um, if you want to write two words from a pasuk, you can write it without scoring the cloth. But not three. Three you can write without scoring, four you can't. So look, he wrote ahead and he wrote this whole critique and, you know, uh, maybe way also a little blunting the critique, but whatever. He said, ah, who could, anyway, what does he know? He doesn't even score the cloth. So once he did that, now you can't go ahead and trust him, you know, about this other thing. Like, you know, one was a real critique, the other was just a psak. Oh, because there's so much travel, you don't have to say funny nechtav. Anyway, but either way, he's responding to this phenomenon. But he says, who says you can trust him? He doesn't even keep this basic halacha. Amalei Abayi Abayi said, If you don't know this position of Rav Yitzchak, does that mean that you're not a major authority, that you don't need to score the cloth? Uh, if he had something that's dependent on, like, logic and reasoning, and he had, like, you know, and he didn't think clearly, then I would agree with you. Okay, you know, if he's not somebody that you can trust. Um, um, this is a tradition. It was a tradition that Rav Yitzchak had at some brighter, not necessarily a well-known tradition, you know, and before the age of uh, printed books and before the age of Barilan and computer and Svaria and all of that, it was okay. You know, you didn't expect everybody to know every single tradition that was out there. Okay, Vaod, however, yes. Okay, so we're actually going to uh, end here, um, um, end here for now, and we will pick up with this uh, tomorrow.